Welcome to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Strategic Real Estate Coach is where the nation's leading real estate investors, brokers, and agents turn to transform the way the real estate business is being done in neighborhoods across the nation. If you desire to make more money, do more deals, grow your passive income, and build the lifestyle you've always wanted, you need Strategic Real Estate Coach. This powerhouse team is led by Josh Cantwell, a seasoned investor with nearly a decade of experience over 700 transactions and over 5.5 million in fundraising generated for himself and his partners. Now, sit back, listen, learn and accelerate your business with Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio. Hello everybody and welcome to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio podcast. My name is Kyle Gariffo and I am fortunate enough to be the head coach here at Strategic Real Estate Coach. I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy day today to hopefully learn some things from uh, many of our fascinating topics and guests that we have on the show here. So I know last week I brought you some killer ways to find good and reliable contractors for your business. And I'll, I'm going to spend some more time in the upcoming weeks as well with simple but effective podcasts that will help you you know, improve your business and make more money. Ultimately, that's what it's about. So uh, as you also know, I, I have on many rock solid guests and uh, today is no exception to that as well too. So I get questions all the time in our Q&A and our mailbag from, from listeners asking, how do I deal in ultra competitive markets like California and Denver and Chicago and New York? And today's guest is Sean Katona from Simplified Properties based in California and Washington State. So he's certainly going to be able to, to speak on competitive markets as I know, you know, Southern California and Washington State, both of them are. But um, they're a commercial and residential redevelopment company that uh, buy aging and underperforming properties to help improve their communities, otherwise known as they flip houses. So welcome to the show, Sean. Are you there? I am. Pleasure to be on and uh, thanks for that awesome introduction. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So I, I love your, uh, your very long and descriptive way of saying you basically <laughs> flip houses you know, for money. I love that. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a good description though. So let's talk right away here because I know a lot of people are going to ask this question. I get this question all the time. Not only are you playing in two different markets, right? You're, you're, you're in two different states, not even cities, but you're in two different states in both Washington State and California, but you're also in two very competitive markets as, as I know Southern California is and I know Washington is. I know a couple people up there in Washington and I know it's competitive. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I guess first I'll start and kind of explain how that came to be. Um, I'm originally from Seattle, so born and raised there. I'm a Washington Husky, and uh, I, t I took a job with Microsoft coming out of college or university. And um, unlike many folks who get a job with Microsoft and move to Seattle, they actually moved me down to Southern California. So born and raised in, in Seattle, but as soon as I started working in corporate America, I was in Santa Monica and then kind of had some fun down in the beach cities. I lived in Hermosa Beach for a while and now I live in Huntington Beach, but was down here for almost eight years. Um, met my beautiful wife, Brittany, who's a Southern California native. And of all things, she gets a monstrous promotion opportunity to go lead a team of sales reps if she relocates back to Seattle of all places. <laughs> so um, I had started my business while I was down in Southern California, but I thought I would always end up moving back to Seattle. So one of my first projects happened up in Seattle while I was living in LA uh, and it was a pretty quick project. Uh, we ended up renovating that house over just a couple of weeks and got it back on the market 
really quick. But after that, I started doing more projects in my backyard in Southern California and kind of through some family friends said, hey, we see what you're doing down in Southern California. Um, would you like to take on some projects in Seattle? So I had lived in Southern California doing deals remotely in Seattle. And now I've just recently relocated back down to Southern California. So I've actually still got deals going in, in uh, Seattle right now, more than a thousand miles away. Uh, so we learned how to do remote rehabbing. Um, you know, we have unique telephone numbers for each market and you know, we're doing really both right now. I feel pretty comfortable with both markets. I've lived in both places for a while. I have boots on the ground in both places. And so that's how we come to be in two markets, which is kind of unique. I, I travel back and forth as regularly as I need to, but it's kind of fun. I've got family in Seattle. Uh, you know, I think my mom is out visiting one of our job sites today, kind of checking in on the contractors to make sure they're doing okay. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, you know, we're talking to motivated sellers down here in Southern California and tying up properties and able to go walk some stuff in our own backyard. So the two markets have, you know, a lot of similarities and, and some differences, you know, I was, I was kind of pleasantly surprised how many things work just as well in one market as the other. And there are some little differences, but uh, that's kind of a, a quick overview. Yeah, no, fantastic. I, I I love how you mentioned that it's sort of a family business for you. For me, it's definitely a family business. My father certainly is my uh, gopher. You know, he just does whatever I need him to do. And then he goes above and beyond things that I want him to do. I'll have a property sold that's closing in like a week. And I'll be like, oh, I went and put in some, you know, in, in some new topsoil. I'm like, I, you know, it's closing in a week. <laughs> why, why are you doing that? So right. my father's awesome. But it, it, that's great that your mom's out checking out properties and, you know, got her hard hat on and her boots on. Uh, that's right. That's fantastic. No, no so, one has your better interest in my case, at least. <laughs> that is that is very true. And, and I don't know about, about your mother, but my father is an investor in majority of my properties as well, too. So he has a vested interest as well, too, to make right. sure that things go according to plan. So, well, that's great. I mean, it, it's always unique how, how we all get started in this business. For me, I was definitely a product of, of A, not seeing my kids. Um, I was I was a clinical therapist actually for 10 years and working crazy hours and, and not seeing my my kids. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And then I was also a product of watching too many HGTV shows and said, how hard can this be, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's all done in a half an hour. You know, you 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 buy, you, you flip, you sell in a half an hour and you make like 80 grand. So are, are you cake. ever a, a fan of any of those shows at all, Sean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've had a chance to actually meet a, a bunch of the folks who have shows now and Did you? Um, a few of my, my you know, colleagues and friends who've kind of grown in the business have landed shows themselves. So it's fun. It, it starts to become a small community uh, once, once yeah. you know the folks that are doing any sort of volume. Yeah, no, you guys got like Fan, Marilyn, Tarek and Christine out there. You got everybody out there, right? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun. You're competing with those guys, certainly. So we'll talk about, I mean, you know, it, it's all about having that team, as you talked about before, and boots on the ground and doing all that. But even before then, was there any sort of training that you took or courses or mentorship or, you know, did you just go about this on your own? Yeah, um, good, great question, actually. I guess my journey starts probably when I was even still in, in high school. Uh, I, I was probably, I don't know, 18 years old or so when I picked up the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, yep. And so that that kind of opened my mind up to what was possible. And my family had done some real estate growing up, a couple of rentals and fixer uppers, but I didn't 
really understand what was going on at that point. I was so young. And so that was the first epiphany for me. Um, I think not long after that, I maybe bought a Carlton Sheets course off of a late night infomercial. And so exactly. no money down, baby, no money yeah. down. <laughs> I was ready to go, but I wasn't. Um, and I didn't do a lot with that. I think it sat in the closet for a while. And then as, as my career started to take off at Microsoft and I got, you know, some bonus checks and some savings uh, socked away, I started going, all right, uh, I've got some cash. Uh, where can I put this to work for me and have my money go out and put on a suit every day and make money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, at that point, started pursuing what I thought would be my first rental uh, up in Seattle and actually ended up being a flip kind of by accident. It would have been cash flow neutral after it was all said and done because it didn't really calculate the numbers perfectly, um, but it actually was a great flip. We ended up making 40 grand doing that deal on my first one, uh, which I did partner up with my father on. Mm -hmm. And then a um, couple of years after that, I stumbled across the guys at Fortune Builders. So like you mentioned, uh, Than, and I went through uh, their curriculum and I'm actually still really involved in that community. I'm doing some speaking and training and I've coached for a lot of the new students coming in and uh, just a great group of guys uh, executing at a high level and around the whole country. So we have a lot of fun and that's kind of become an extended family uh, and a great sounding board for you know things that we run into every day, uh, other investors who are doing what we're doing in the same markets and different markets. And so those are the folks that I've learned a ton from and you know, today I'm, I'm getting more and more into the commercial side of the business. So apartments and shopping centers, and I've sought out a commercial mentor who really has specialized in that for the last 20 plus years. And so getting a ton and, you know, I, I just think mentors, education can really help cut down our learning curve in a huge way. Like if I make one less mistake, I probably make right. back that whole tuition or investment. Um, not to mention all the shortcuts and, and you know, best practices we're able to implement because we're not trying to figure it out the hard way, right? I don't wanna go reinvent the wheel if someone's yeah. already figured out exactly how to do this the right way. Yeah, and I'm always blown away when I read like Facebook posts or you know, something on the, our Google group that we have that, that people are so, some of them are so resistant to getting coaching and their, their comments are always like, oh, these guys are so good. Why would they give away this information? Or how come they wouldn't give it away for free? You know, it's like, what? anything that, that you get for free is usually not worth getting anyway, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, people mm -hmm. are so resistant that they'll spend, you know, they'll spend hundreds of thousand dollars to go get a college degree that you have nothing to do with, right? And I, look, I have a college degree, I have a master's degree and I'm doing this now. So, but they're so resistant to spending any sort of money on training and learning how to be, you know, an entrepreneur, a real estate investor and do it well. They're just, it's just too, time and time again, I see that, that, you know, people have the ability and uh, you know, almost even the motivation as well, but like, oh, I just, I don't want to spend $10,000, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. No, it's truly an investment. So I don't know, that, that, that usually frustrates me. And I, I always love hearing when guys are like, no, it's truly an investment in yourself. And um, as you said, it's paid off, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times now. So um, yeah. And I also, yeah, I also get back to the point where um, my, my last guest, Michael Blanc, that I had on a couple of weeks ago, also mentioned Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's like, and I got the, I've got this book here in my home office, and and it's something that I've read many a year ago. But it's one of the first books I recommend to any of my students as well, too. And the book itself is really not that complicated. It's not that complex of a book, but it is, like you said, it's it's sort of mind blowing. It's sort of eye opening to say holy crap, like that really makes sense. Like that is truly a shift in attitude. And, and mm -hmm. like you said, it, it really propelled me to kind of where I'm at today as well. So, 
um, you know, that apparently Kiyosaki, he, he does know what he's talking about, right? Yeah. So. I mean, he, just, he did such a good job of laying a strong foundation that you can build off of. And, you know, to, to your other point, it's interesting. I think, you know, almost like a human psychology, when you pay for something and make, you know, sometimes a substantial investment, um, you put that much more value on it, right? And right. that made me want to work even harder to kind of earn out of the tuition or, you know, the investments that I continue to make each year in developing myself and my business. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my first, I was, I was attending a, a RIA meeting and uh, the guy who led the group, um, he'll remain nameless at this time, but uh, I had a short sale that I was doing. This was back in like 2007. I was working on a short sale and I didn't fully know what I was doing, but I, I emailed him and I said, hey, would you mind like sitting down? I want to pick your brain, right? Quote unquote, pick your brain for lunch. And he responds back to me, he goes, he goes, I don't do lunch, but here's my coaching membership application. I'm like, jerk. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I just want to take you to Applebee's and you're, and you're making me pay like five grand for coaching. Just ask some simple questions. And I was, I was pretty PO'd, but when I step back and I'm like, I get it now, I get it. His time is worth something. He's obviously put forth the money and the time and the effort to get where he's at. And now I don't, I don't go to meet at Applebee's and have people pick my brain as I'm sure you don't either. It's just not worth it for us to do that. And I encourage people, you know, if you, if you want my time or want uh, a mentor's time, it's, it, it's worth that money, right? Absolutely. Are you struggling to find great real estate deals to flip, rehab, buy and hold or wholesale? End the frustration today and get 55 simple and proven strategies that find smoking hot deals in your market absolutely free. Go to 55simpleways.com slash podcast right now. That's 55simpleways.com slash podcast. Talk about life kind of before, um, you know, kind of before all this was happening and kind of how things have changed. Now, you, you don't seem like you're all that, that old of a gentleman. How old are you, can I ask? I'm 31. 31. All right. So still young, obviously still young, still have, you know, you're, 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 you're still finding out kind of who you are and whatnot. And, and, and I know you said you're married and whatnot. So talk about kind of how life was before when you work in sort of that nine to five grind and how things have changed with real estate and becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny, 31's all relative, I guess. If I had started doing this business earlier, I probably would have yeah. been retired many years ago. <laughs> I say but, that too. Uh, Let's see. So my, you know, my journey started, uh, as I mentioned at Microsoft, uh, working in, in corporate America, coming out of school. And I actually ended up in a really fun position. If you're going to do a corporate gig, uh, mine was media and advertising sales to the fortune 500 marketers or some of the biggest marketers in the world. And we were doing in and around game advertising integrations on the Xbox platform. So, um, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, like a really rough go in the beginning, you know, I was making good money. I had strong credit. Like I was, you know, a, a nice advantage compared to where uh, a lot of the folks I meet are starting out uh, they're, they're having to rebuild and repair credit. And, you know, I started this business when I had a nice nest egg saved up and when I had a few rentals in my portfolio. So I knew like some money was coming in to, you know, be able to, to pay the bills every month and, and eat, frankly. Um, but, you know, back in, in kind of corporate America, I was, I was having fun, but I wasn't kind of fulfilling all the skills that I thought that I had. Um, yeah. You know, great with people, great with marketing, uh, great with technology. I had a lot of fun in all those things, but, you know, it became pretty 
monotonous or similar after doing that for almost eight years, day after day, kind of the same types of things. And so I wanted to get out and do something entrepreneurial. Um, I couldn't really put my finger on it. I had all sorts of startup ideas that never got off the ground. And then it was kind of exposed again through the fortune builders guys that this could actually be a full-time business. What I was kind of doing on the side, you know, flip here, a rental there, like people do this full time. And I got one of those deals done, that first one that I'd mentioned, and I looked at that payday and I was like, wow, uh, a couple of these a year and I could displace my, my pretty good income, uh, not to mention have tons of freedom and tons of time. So like the seed had been planted at that point. And uh, I, I think I joined the coaching program back in August, 2012. And by June of 2013, I had a couple deals under my belt. Uh, again, that, that cash saved up, kind of the, the foundations of the business in place, enough so that I, I felt like it made sense to make the leap and walk away from what a lot of folks would consider a pretty cushy, comfortable, certainly very stable uh, career uh, that folks a lot older than me, you know, were hungry to get into. I was, I was kind of on, on the fast track, if you will, in my career. So leaving that stability, that comfort was a really scary thing and, and something that I actually needed my wife to give me a little kick in the ass on. Uh, and she was seeing me get excited about real estate and kind of lose passion for my day job. And she was like, you've got your, your feet in both places right now and you're uncomfortable and you're not really enjoying either. So why don't you go ahead and go at this full time and see what you can do. Uh, and I think, you know, in, in the end of that year, when I did go full time, we did close to a dozen deals. And so things went from kind of onesie twosie to start looking like a lot more of a real business where we had a steady stream of leads coming in. You know, we we're building a machine and infrastructure to go around those deals. So this thing wasn't just reliant on me like it was in the beginning. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I always, uh, the story that I tell is that, you know, when I was a clinical therapist, I, I quit on a Thursday and literally bought a house on a Monday that following Monday. I mean, that was my jump into sort of the, the river <laughs> was let's quit Thursday and buy Monday. And that's truly what it was. my wife was the same thing. I, I got, a, I got the kick in the ass from her as well, too. Um, I don't think I was quite as successful as you were jumping out of the gate right away. This was back in 07, uh, kind of right before the, the bubble burst. I think I made, um, I think it was like $987, I think, after the end of the seven months because I did the project myself. I was great at plumbing. I could lay hardwood floors like you wouldn't believe. But uh, yeah, I did all the work myself and I literally made like 987 bucks, brought it home to my wife. I was like, woohoo, look at this. And she was like, well, that sucks. And then you know, many an what ultimatum you, of having- yeah, right. what, what was your hourly on that, honey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even want to, I to this day haven't even added that up, nor do I want to, but- uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was cool getting a check, though. I will say that. It's like this is an actual hard-earned check, not a nine-to-five gig where I'm working for the man. But, yeah, it sucked. And, and But what I realized that this was something that I wanted to continue to do, and I love the, the process and the creativity of it. And Well, but, and kudos that you came out of the gate and landed a deal in days. You know, a lot of folks yeah, well, take the, the action that's required to put themselves in that position. Yeah, so I see them well, spend months sometimes trying to get in front of a project. Well, I, I blew through about 72 stop signs, even my own attorney at the closing table said, this is not a good deal. This is not a good deal. <laughs> but uh, I was like, yes, it is. Shut up. And uh, I'm paying you 295 Be quiet. Boom. So yeah, I, I paid way too much for it. But um, you know what? In the long run, it, it's, it's a good learning experience. I still have the, the marketing brochure from my very first flip. And 
I'm not even joking about the money I made. I, I it literally was peanuts, but um, I, I learned that I loved the business and I was passionate about it. And I want to continue to, to, to grow it and just figure out how I had to do that. And that's, that's really how I got started with strategic real estate coach. And Josh, uh, for me, was I knew I needed some mentorship and some training because I wasn't going to do this on my own. If I want to continue to make, you know, 800 bucks, that's fine. But you know, I could maybe eat every, every six months. That was about uh, what I made. So, yeah. but uh, that's a little bit of my story. So talk about your typical flip now, cause you're in, you're in, you're in Southern California. I've got many students in Southern California. You're in the Washington. I've got some students up there as well too. Talk about your typical, your typical flip. How do you find them? I mean, I know MLS is so competitive everywhere you go. So are you looking on the MLS? How do you fund them? Are you using your own cash, using private cash? Um, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, acquisition price? What, what do you put into these things for rehab? How much are you selling them for? Yeah. Um, so I guess fast forward to today, right? From the beginning, um, I, I think my 2015 numbers came in right around 35 deals that we took down. Um, many and many of those were flips, a uh, few wholesales in there. You know, when we got, we actually got overloaded with uh, construction. So we couldn't find enough quality contractors. We ended up buying five deals and I think a one week span last year. And it was like, whoa, these guys thought that they could handle that volume and they couldn't, but uh, let's see. That contractors always think that they can handle that volume, no matter how yeah, many yeah, deals yeah. Oh. they <laughs> always on. think they can handle it. <laughs> no problem. Uh, that's yeah. a, that was a big lesson for, for me to learn and something that kind of put a kink in the, in the process. And I didn't realize how, how much that would impact not just those deals, but kind of spiral out to some of the other yeah. deals. And then it starts to take up a lot of our valuable time that can be spent you know, vetting deals and writing offers and taking projects down versus solving construction problems. And right. it's definitely not the highest and best use of my time anymore. That's, that's for sure. Um, so let's see, let's start with uh, deal flow, I guess, was one of your questions uh, and how do we find stuff? So we did a lot of stuff off the MLS last year. It probably made up at least half, we're right around half of our volume. Uh, and most of that comes through realtor relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're spending a lot of time reaching out to folks who are interested in working with us. You know, now we have a resume and a track record and we've got, you know, a handful of deals going at any given time. And so we can point to those. We've got a proof of funds now and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're a serious buyer. Take a look around town and you can see that, you know, we, we do what we say what we're going to do. Uh, so those realtor relationships bring in a steady flow. And I do some things where we, you know, we talk about you representing me on the buy side, uh, potentially getting listings back as long as there's enough margin in the deals. Uh, we'll reach out to a lot of listing brokers and ask them to represent us on the buy side. So that works as well in Washington as it does in California. You know, it's a, it's a technique that I've frankly seen almost everyone have to go to to stay competitive, right? If you've got a realtor who's looking and saying, hey, uh, I'm making half this commission versus if I represent the other investor with pretty much the same offer, I make double the commission right. and potentially get the lease or the listing back. You've got kind of an unfair advantage there. You know, he's not supposed to be playing favorites with you, but you know, think back for a second. Think what would you guys do if you were in that position, right? Compensation <laughs> drives behavior. It, it influences us. Uh, so the MLS is, is a steady stream and then um, making a lot of relationships with folks who do wholesaling, uh, bird dogs. We, we want to really be part of our community out there. And, you know, for folks that are getting started, we're a resource, uh, you know, training to some degree, but also, you know, a, a resume and, and a proof of funds. And when you're trying to do your first deal or two, we can really be a missing link. Uh, to that equation. And so that helps us with deal flow as well. And then we also do a, a healthy amount of direct marketing. And so, you know, everything from outdoor ads to direct mail to 
um, you know, online marketing, you know, we're trying to put some great content together. We're doing online advertising, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do some more experimentation on Facebook. And the idea is, you know, have a lot of lines in the water so that we've got, you know, a lot of at bats and, and can write a bunch of offers up. And, you know, we, we pass on a lot of deals that don't make a ton of sense, but that gives us a lot to, to select just the best deals uh, out of the heap that come in from all that activity. Yeah. So, I mean, I think your key there is what you said is a lot of lines in the water. I think so many investors get, get so hung up on one acquisition strategy. Oh, the MLS, you know, is, is I'm going to, I'm just going to keep looking. I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep looking. Well, no, you've got to, you've got to have multiple streams of, of deals coming in. So you can, like you said, cherry pick, pick the best ones that are going to make you the most money. You're not doing deals to try to make two, three, four, five grand. That's, that's a waste of time for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that that seems very strange necessarily to, for people to hear sometimes, like you pass up five grand. Well, if it takes up too much time, like you said, the hourly rate doesn't pan out. So I'm not going to do a deal to make five grand. That doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, I love that. So are you, are you marketing to uh, buyers in default? Are you marketing to probate? Are you marketing to all the above? Yeah, over the years, uh, I feel like I've hit most of the big lists. I've experimented with probate down in Southern California, sent probably thousands of letters. I'm actually just starting to do that again. Um, I love the inherited property list. I just think there's a lot of factors there that make a, a ton of sense. Tons of equity, you know, typically older owners, typically older homes, and oftentimes a life event where you know, they're, they're looking to liquidate that real estate quickly and, and sometimes working with a, a cash buyer or an investor makes a lot more sense for folks than going the listing route with a realtor. The speed of closing, the certainty, not having to deal with open houses, not having to do repairs, you know, all the things that we talk about, ways that investors add value for a homeowner. Um, we can do that with Inherited for sure. But, um, you know, I've, I've door knocked pre foreclosures in my day. I, I don't spend my time personally doing that anymore, but I think that's an interesting avenue. You know, you've got folks with a, a deadline coming up that's real, real and, you know, potentially a healthy amount of equity at risk if they don't take action. Broadly speaking, you know, our big thing is can we find folks who are motivated or have a problem or their property has a problem and can we solve that problem and add tremendous value in their life or add tremendous value to a property? And if we're doing that and we're working with the right people, then we can get some pretty uh, tremendous paydays for it. And so that's, that's really one of our guiding lights is let's, let's find people that we can help who really do need us. And if it's just a, a cream puff, you know, nice house, that should be a listing. And we refer it out to some of our top realtor partners to help them get top dollar. But if that's not the solution that makes the most sense for them, that's, that's where we come in and do most of our deals. Yeah, that's spot on. I mean, this is, this is a relationship business. I always say that, that, making money for us is a byproduct of truly what we do. I mean, we're, we're looking to, to benefit that other party, whatever it may be. Like you said, if it's a listing or we can buy their house, whatever we can do to help them. And then if we can make money on top of that, I don't think there's any better business out there by able to help somebody and then make money doing it as well too. So um, this is a relationship business. It's not about the numbers. I think too many investors lose focus of that. It just becomes about the dollar signs for them and how much money can I make on this deal? And they just, they don't, they don't relate to the people and if people don't trust you, no matter who it is, they're not going to work with you. So that, that's a, that's a real good point. So real quick, can you talk about kind of like what's your typical acquisition price? Um, how much you put into these things? 
So I like playing at the median or maybe slightly below median price point, um, just because if something really goes wrong, I could potentially keep it as a rental. I figure I have the largest buyer pool there on the back end. And so I like to create bidding wars and, you know, good product that a lot of people are interested in buying to try and maximize the, the resale value of the property. Um, in Seattle, you know, a rehab will range from 40 to 60,000. Um, we have, feels like some older inventory up there, basements, uh, all sorts of funky things that happen. Uh, in, in LA, you know, the numbers aren't, aren't unlike that. That's kind of an average. I mean, we've done paint and carpet deals and I've done new construction. And so the, the gamut can really, you know, range that whole, whole span. Uh, one, one interesting number that I use that might help some folks is, you know, when we're looking at a cosmetic rehab, you know, I'll probably put $25 a foot plus or minus into the house. And then, you know, you've got all the way up to construction, new construction, it may be 125 up to 150 bucks a foot. But that makes sense. Sometimes uh, you're doing additions in Southern California, where you can build for a buck 25 and sell for four five, $600 a foot. Uh, that's a pretty good business. Right. That's pretty good uh, ROI right there. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, well, good. That's, that's definitely good. So can you talk about one of the best deals that you ever done, and that could be in terms of dollar signs, it could be in, in terms of experience, either one. You know, I'll do maybe two really quick. One of them is best because it was my, my earnings per hour, if you will. It was a, a wholesale deal down in Southern California that I had shopped out, maybe got a $10,000 wholesale fee on it, but by working actually with another good friend of mine and a wholesaler who had a stronger buyer's list, we were able to generate a $48,000 wholesale fee on that. Wow, And that was probably six hours worth of work, you know, uh, a meeting with the homeowner, a call, and then a subsequent meeting to do an inspection and then getting the paperwork together. So you start to look at my uh, earnings per hour there and it trumps almost anything else that I've done in the business uh, up until that point. And then maybe on the rehab side, we did a full gut job on a duplex up in L.A., and also did a new construction duplex in front of that. And that was something that we bought really rough off the MLS for about 400 grand. Uh, and we had to put, you know, good 400 or so into it with the new construction, the gut job, but that sold for, I think 1.4. So that ended up being in excess of $300,000 in profit on a deal that we, we did inside of 12 months. And so that was probably one of my bigger, if not my biggest paydays uh, on a single deal. There you go. Boom. Are you funding these deals with your own money or you got investors or how's that work for you typically? Great question. Um, started out with a little bit of everything. Um, and over the years, it's kind of stayed that same way. So I certainly have some great hard money relationships. My hard money lender in Seattle loves me. <laughs> um, when, you do, when you do volume, by the way, you can start to ask for, you know, discounts on points and little favors here and there if your projects are, are running long. Um, but I, I really hit the ground running, uh, raising private money as well very early on. And so what started with a couple friends and family uh, turned into one referral after another after another. And they start you know, saying, hey, we're working with Simplified Properties. Sean's a stand-up guy. Um, we've done two or three deals. Would like to introduce you to my brother and my uncle and then their family. And it kind of goes from there. So I've got, you know, a couple dozen investors now kind of standing on the sidelines waiting to park capital into our next deals. Um, and that's, that's no longer the bottleneck for, for my business anymore, which is a fun place to be. Uh, we just want more deals to put that capital to work. 
Yeah, no, that's that, that's definitely the uh, the key to success right there. I mean, that's kind of every investor's dream is to have too much capital, right, to, to try to find something to do with it. So, hey, if you need any place to put it, you can always ask me. Uh, I've got plenty of places you can put All your right. capital for sure. So <laughs> no doubt about that. So what about any 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 mistakes that you've made or bad deals that you've done? I mean, I, we've all done them. You know, I, I never believe anybody that's, oh, I've never made any mistakes. That's that's so far from the truth. So any, anything you can talk about there? Oh, God. We could do a whole podcast yeah, on right, it. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> Try not to think of it as failing, right? We're learning as we go and you know, each, each little hiccup creates maybe a better tweak that we can make. Uh, and there's been a lot of things you know, on, on the marketing side where it's like, okay, we can improve on that and kind of optimize and tweak and adjust the campaigns uh, on the ways that we can do it. I paid a fair share of uh, bandit signs in my day. Um, I've got one going on right now. It's just like fresh in my mind where we, uh, thought we were buying a septic system that was working right. The owner signed off and, you know, swore that it was and come to find out uh, a couple months later that uh, I'm now spending almost $30,000 installing a septic system on a house. Why do lie to you? Sellers don't lie. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. Probably be going after that guy for, uh, for some damages there because that was just blatant, uh, <laughs> blatant lying. So, you know, that, that's one thing, you know, we've learned the hard way, unfortunately, in the expensive way on this deal. It's like, all right, you got to do your perk test on your septic systems. You got to scope the sewers. And one of the things that we started doing is a, is a best practice be, to try and minimize our surprises because there's always surprises on the rehab side of things is having an inspector actually go through and, and document all the things in the house that are going to need to get done in order for us to be able to turn around and sell it to a retail buyer. So a lot like a retail buyer would on the back end, right? We're doing that up front and sometimes even on the back end. So we can say, all right, contractor, you blew through here in an hour coming up with the scope of work. But right. my inspector, Randy found, you know, 15 more things that you didn't, by the way, these are $25,000 worth of repairs. So we got to make sure that that works into the budget helps us generate a really complete scope of work. And again, minimize as many surprises as we can. There's there's enough of those as it is, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. And I, I've actually started to uh, coach my students to do that as well, too, is get an inspection as well, at least maybe prior to the, you know, right before you, you can sell it, because I think you can use that as an advertisement as well, too. Um, it just, it just, it's, it, it just allows you to sell the property better. It, it, you can advertise that as that, look, hey, it's, it's already been inspected. There's already been a home inspection done. We've already looked at it for you. It gives buyers that sort of peace of mind that, um, you know, knowing that they're going to get a good quality product. You, you, don't, you just don't want somebody going and buying a house. It's like, oh, I don't trust this. I don't trust this. I just, you know, it, it just, it doesn't bode well to try to get that, that, that property sold quick. Yeah. And it's going to get caught on the back end anyway when the uh, homeowner goes to do their inspection. So get ahead right. of it, build it into your schedule, build right. it into your budget. Yeah, no, that's a, that's, that's a great point there. So what, what advice can you give anybody who's listening to, to try to invest in real estate? They're trying to you know, get in this business, try to start a career. Obviously, you've, you've come a long way. You're, you're raising money. You're doing deals. Your hard money lender loves you. I'm new in this business. How do I get started? What do I need to do? Great question. Loaded um, question. I know that you could talk for two hours on that as well too, yeah, but right? we only have a half minute. Go. I think the, the one thing that I really want folks to focus on now when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching or even speaking to a larger group is to focus at least three quarters of their time on deal flow and lead generation. 
And the reason that I'm such a stickler about that is that you can have all the private money in the world. You can have the best contractors in the world. You can have a machine set up to do 30, 40, 50 flips a year. But if you can't get the deal flow coming in, everything comes to a grinding halt. Nothing else really matters. And so, especially in the beginning, you know, you can always wholesale a deal. Uh, you can always, you can typically raise money if you've got a great project, like there's folks who are excited to get in, like look at our businesses, right? That tends to be the bottleneck is not, not cash so much. It's, it's finding good quality deals to invest capital into. And so the fastest way to a payday is to have a deal under control. So get it under contract or, you know, get in contact with a homeowner ideally and, you know, make an introduction to someone like me who can help come in and, you know, negotiate a price that makes sense and, you know, say, Hey, look at my resume here and we've got the proof of funds and we've got everything that we need to do to help you solve out of this real estate problem. But, you know, if you don't have a deal, uh, it's, it's a lot harder to get a payday. All right. But here's a question that everyone's going to say now. See, now there's, there's a guy, he's listening to this in his car. He's driving home from work, right? He's like, Hey, that sounds great, Sean, but I don't have any money for marketing. I got maybe 200 bucks a month. I can spare if I, if I don't go to the bar as much, I've got 200 bucks to spare. What am I spending that on? Yep. Uh, so there's a bunch of things that I did in the beginning, kind of guerrilla grassroots. Uh, you can knock doors for gas money, right? That might be someone in pre-foreclosure. You can leave sticky notes on those doors. You can put Craigslist posts up. Uh, you can do a pretty cheap postcard campaign. Maybe it's not a ton of houses, but at 40 cents a pop, you know, can you afford some of those? Um, you know, I've known folks who put bandit signs up and take them down, you know, during the week uh, so the code, the, the code folks don't take them down. Uh, there's things that you can do to generate deal flow. But I, th the thing is like, it takes a lot of time if you're not going to do it with a budget. Like I work with a lot of leverage right now. Right. So I spend money on marketing. So I spend less of, you know, our valuable time. Uh, but if you don't have the capital, you're going to trade time for dollars. And so you're going to spend more time on the phone. You're going to spend more time knocking doors and going out there and grinding, you know, think about the way that realtors, generate listings they're grinding they're making calls they're knocking doors they're putting flyers out deals will not fall in your lap and if it's something that's widely available to everyone else it's probably been passed on by a professional so you got to drum it up yourself uh, that's going to get you a bigger payday and better margins and if you've got a direct relationship with a homeowner you can create some you know rapport uh, there's an opportunity there yeah so could you tell me or disclose what do you guys spend typically a month on marketing? It, it grew from probably a $500 a month budget in the beginning because I had, you know, enough money coming in from my day job that I wanted to fund that as fast right. as possible. And it's like the more that you can spend efficiently, the more leads you get and, and the faster you can get to that deal. But I would say create a budget where you know, you can sustain that for six months because sometimes it takes that long. And, you know, today we spend probably in excess of 10, 10 times that across our, our, our marketing and, you know, multiple markets. And, and that's just the direct marketing side of the business, right? right? On top of, you know, the realtor relationships and the wholesaler relationships. And so a lot of output, uh, you know, with that capital and with our time to be able to bring in steady deal flow. Yeah. So you're, so you're not, uh, you're not, you're not the whole philosophy of just send them one time, hit them once. And then if it doesn't work, you say, oh, well, this didn't work. This sucks. You don't, you don't believe in that philosophy then? 
Well, you know, we, we do a pretty good job of tracking our responses and keeping really, really methodical metrics. And so, you know, if we've got a direct mail campaign going out, we'll look at exactly how many touches. So I can tell you, you know, on my last commercial mailer, I, I targeted 500 buildings and I've talked to 50 of those owners. So a 10% response rate, it took me three touches. So I think the first one was 5% response and then 7% and then 10% with that third touch, you know, it's starting to slow down a little bit. And so I'm going, all right, maybe I hit them two more times. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I've gotten most of the juice out of that list, but you know, absolutely we can get some deals on our first touch but a lot of the folks that have done let's say direct mail for a long long time say hey i really start seeing the best returns on the fourth fifth sixth i've even heard seventh touch right so that's that's a real thing right so that's this just goes to show you that don't quit after one don't quit after two continue to, to hit them change up your message like you said track you know monitor what you're doing change up your message change the color of the postcard do something so you can monitor that and, and see what's going to be effective and even, even a, a change of picture a lot of time works. I know a lot of times advertise that I'll do on Facebook, a certain picture will, will pull better than others. And it's like, why is that picture pull better? That's an uglier picture, but for whatever reason it does. So that's why it's so important to track and, and, and know your marketing inside and out. So and I think I picked this up from uh, Dan Kennedy, like one of the godfathers of direct marketing. And, right. and it was hit the right person with the right message at the right time. And so if someone's going through a tough week, you know, and they get the great letter and it's the great person, you know, they just might not be in the mindset. So they need to get another letter a, a week or a month later. Um, you right. know, bad message to the right person, it's not gonna connect. Maybe they are more receptive to postcards than yellow letters. Maybe it's a more professional letter versus a handwritten. So things yeah. to think about across every one of your marketing channels. Right. That's what I tell my students too, that if you're sending out one mail or one postcard, people are going to sell on their time. They're not going to sell on your time. Your time is sending out one time. They're going to open up the mail. No one's going to say, you know what? Son of a gun. I wasn't even thinking about selling my house, but now that you sent me this postcard, now I am thinking about selling my house. Let's mm -hmm. talk. No, they've got to be ready to sell. Just like you said, maybe it's that week or something's happened or there's a big hole in the roof or something happens that all of a sudden they're like, dang, I just don't want this dump anymore oh yeah, here's that, that, that letter I got, or here's that postcard that's still on my, on my fridge. So you've got to put your name, you've got to put your face in front of them. So when they are ready to sell, you're the first person that they're going to call. So you got it. good point there. Well, good. I mean, you know, that's, that's awesome information. So how can anybody who's listening to this find out anything more about you or your company, or maybe somebody's got a house to sell, who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Simplified Properties is, is a great place. You can check out, you know, some of the projects that we're working on, uh, information up there about investing or, or partnering with us. If you're a, a professional investor yourself or doing this part time, uh, all my contact information is up there as well. Our phone number, uh, my email or, you know, Google Sean Katona and I, I should pop right up. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I went on your website. I was looking at, just like you said, your, your, your two unit that you built in LA. That's, that's pretty cool stuff right there. How long did that uh, take you to build? I think that was uh, about 11 months from, from you know, closing to closing to get that one completed. Okay, okay. And, oh, and the question that I, I wrote down, I see you do a lot of staging. So what does your typical staging cost you? Uh, great question. Uh, negotiate that because I've got two or three stagers in Seattle right now that all kind of bid each one of my projects. And so cool. sometimes that'll fluctuate as much as 300 bucks from one, one stager to another, um, you know, probably 1500 to 2000 kind of depending on the size of the house. And then down in LA, I've run into a lot of folks who like to price it by the foot. So 
a buck seventy five a foot as investor pricing, two dollars a foot, and you know wide variance right depending on the quality of their of their stuff but sure. I think given someone the visual visualization of the space and sometimes nicer furniture than they own themselves can really elevate the perceived value of a property or the actual value yep. No, that's Thanks great. for some good marketing too, right? To put back on your website, your before right. and after videos. Right. That stuff pops a lot better. Yeah, no, it certainly does. It certainly does. I just staged a little, uh, it was like an 880 square foot house and I had people and it was some furniture that I kind of had left over and I had been storage and I kind of used some other things and for other products that I have. But uh, I had two agents ask like, oh, who does your staging and, and is the furniture for sale? I'm like, why would you want this? Like, this is not good stuff. But I was blown away that they want to know who staged my stuff because it was just me in this little 800 square foot house. And it was like garbage furniture. I mean, it was clean, but it, you know, it, it kind of matched, I guess, but uh, it made the house look good apparently. So I, I kind of laughed about that. You know, so. one other little ninja idea on staging. We, we did one recently. It was one of my rental properties. And instead of doing staging through an outside stager, we just decided to spend, I think, 150 or 200 bucks on, you know, towels and some nice right. things around the house. And then we left them with the house and sold them, you know, to the homeowner, included it. It's like, all right, that's less money than I would have spent on staging. They're getting something of value. So that's an interesting way to do it as well. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've gone so far. We spent about eight thousand dollars on furniture now, and that, that that we just keep in storage too. That we kind of rotate from house to house as well. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of that now that I started staging more properties. So I think you're right. I think it does sell faster. I think it sells for a higher price, and it looks really nice online as well too. And people can visualize um, kind of what their house is going to look like when they move their stuff in. But yeah, that's a that's certainly a great point. It doesn't take much to stage it. I mean, you don't like you said, you don't have to go wall to wall with everything and pictures galore. I mean, even simple towels and just little knickknacks in the kitchen and maybe just a table with chairs and it, it, it all helps certainly. So certainly that people can go on your website and see <clears throat> that's one of the things that I was impressed with, with your website is just showing kind of the before and after. Um, and you do go out on the staging. There's no doubt about it, but it looks really, really nice. So that's a <clears throat> great place for people to go. So, well, thanks a lot, Sean, for coming on. I mean, I, I certainly appreciate you offered a ton of insight and, and again, in a, in a tough competitive market and being only 31 years old as well too, it, it kind of gives hope and inspiration for, for, you know, maybe 20s, 20 year olds trying to figure out what they're doing in their life certainly as well too. So like you said, I wish I would have started a lot earlier or else I would have been retired as well too. I'm a little bit older than you, but uh, you know, that's great. And it, I think it provides a lot of inspiration for young and old to say, Hey, just go out there and do it. I think you gave some great tips on marketing and, and uh, how to, how to acquire properties as well. So I really appreciate you coming on and offering up a lot of insight there. I had a blast, Kyle. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Well, again, I want to thank Sean for coming on. But if, you, if you'd like to learn more about Strategic Real Estate Coach and download a free report on 55 simple and powerful strategies that find killer real estate investments, you can visit our podcast site at shrekradio.com. That's S-R-E-C radio.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher for the Android system for new episodes every week on Wednesdays. And finally, please leave us a five-star rating and let us know how we are doing by leaving us a review on iTunes as well. I like to read those. That's the best way to say thanks for this free content. So visit us again at Shrek Radio. That's S-R-E-C radio.com. Once again, I appreciate you coming on board, listening. Thanks again, Sean, and we'll see you on the next podcast. So long. Take care. 
You were just listening to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next, who you would like us to interview, or if you just want to share some of your success stories in real estate. And maybe we'll talk about it on our next show. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure you subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Josh Cantwell and Strategic Real Estate Coach on Facebook and Twitter. Check out all our awesome free training videos at youtube.com forward slash SREC video. If you want to find out 55 simple and powerful ways to find killer real estate investments, go to 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast right now to download our free report and get a ton of free resources on finding properties and funding properties. And stay up to date on what's happening right now in the real estate industry. That's 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast. Podcast. Thanks for listening.